Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We are back once again. The Across the Tracks gang, the Across the Tracks podcast for June 28th, 2020, last weekend in June. And uh, as usual, I'm Wayne. And I'm Steve. So how was your week, my friend? Oh, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, let's I tell you what, Wayne, let's let's do a little uh Let's do a little side thing here. And side I'm, thing. All right. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to ask you something. Okay. And then you're going to so you know how they say, well, how funny it was or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> well, um <laughs> my week goes along with this. If you ask me how my week was, I say my week was great. Other than being so poor, and you should say, how poor were you growing up? <laughs> and how poor were you growing up? Man, I was so poor. My family, I had four wisdom teeth coming in. My family was so poor, they said, we can't afford to send your ass to the dentist. They got to come in. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, my All week... Right. My week ended with me having one of those wisdom tooth taken out on Friday. Whoa. <laughs> so here Whoa. I am, 63 years old, with four wisdom teeth in, and one of them has been bothering me for, oh, I don't know, about two or three weeks now. Like four nights in a row, just woke up in pain. And so finally on Friday... Uh, I had to go get one of those four wisdom teeth taken out. So I've been uh, kind of tiptoeing around things here lately uh, because of that wisdom tooth being taken out. But wow. that that's that's how poor we were going up. <laughs> My parents said that I had to have all four wisdom teeth because we can't afford <laughs> to send your ass to the dentist. <laughs> but other than that, the week, oh. was, the week was pretty good. You know, like good, I said, I'm just uh, getting getting past a, a lot of the pain from that wisdom tooth being taken out, you know. And, and and when you think about, when you hear about teeth being taken out, you know, you think both of our kids, their wisdom teeth were taken out or whatever. And you think, it seemed like it was like, okay, you just go in there and you pop it out. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dig and dug and yeah. popped and screwed. Yeah. It, it. Took about an hour to get that damn thing out of there, man. But I'm recovering now, so that that's about it. That's how my week went. Other than wow. that, it was all cool. cool. How about your How about yours, man? Hey, uh, nothing exciting. Uh, you know, still uh, still doing the quarantine thing here or there. And it's funny you should mention wisdom teeth because I still have mine. <laughs> oh wow. I still have mine. They, you know, do when I go to the dentist. Uh, when I was in the Air Force. They, you know, your annual dental checkup. They look oh, at yeah. my mouth and they're like, "Wow, you still got all your wisdom teeth." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Do they hurt?" And I'm like, "No." Well, you know, sometimes you know they start to you know grow and you know as you get older they they screw your other teeth up and I'm like I haven't had a problem. So here I am. 62, still got all my wisdom teeth. So 
I'll, yeah. I'll hope things continue to go well that I don't have to endure what you went through last week. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, I, it wasn't that bad, but yeah, yeah the, the I, aftermath I, was okay. Yeah, I've had friends that have them taken out, and like you say, man. They said the dentist had to yank and pull, <laughs> like because the roots are so long on those suckers, man. Yeah. And uh, it, it's yeah. I, I don't know why mine are still in there, but they're still there. So I'll uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I didn't want to take it out. I didn't want to, you know, because they said, well, you can have it out. And I went, nah, let's try something else first. Yeah. And so that something else didn't work. So yeah, I had to have it taken out. Yeah. I've, I've had other, you know, I think out of how many teeth you had, you had 32. I think I've got, I think I've had one tooth taken out uh, thus far. And I go to the dentist. They're like, wow, you just had one tooth taken out. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess, you know, because, man, I've been hitting the mouth so many times with basketball and whatnot. I wonder, man, all my teeth aren't chipped out and whatnot. But I've I've had one tooth uh, in, you know, 60 some years removed. And so I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) So what do we have on tap for this broadcast? Oh, wow. We got a, a few things we want to talk about. Uh, I think one thing uh, that we want to cover is a uh, NASA event. Yes. Uh, we want to uh, cover a Senate race in our home state of Kentucky. And we want to cover some backtracking by one of our um supposedly uh, leaders, and we want to talk, we want to end Black Music Month talking about uh, some of our um, music as we we grew and venues that we visited and performances that we, that we've uh, seen as we were going through these, these years. Outstanding. Outstanding. Okay. So I, I tell you what. I'll, I'll let you kick it off, and we'll talk about NASA's big. Yeah, yeah. Let's event. talk about uh, let's talk about NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. So uh, they're they're building a new headquarters in D.C., and one of the great things that they're going to do uh, in the opening of that headquarters, they're going to name it after Miss Mary Jackson, and Miss Mary Jackson was the first black female engineer at NASA. And so she was uh, dramatized in the movie Hidden Figures. Uh, she was played by Janelle Monet, and she was the character that petitioned the court to let her go to an all-white school to take the engineering classes she needed to become an engineer. And at first, the uh, the judge, you know, relented and said, "Nope, it's it's an all-white school. We can't have Negroes going there and whatnot." But she was persistent. And she finally got the judge to see it her way. Uh, she completed her engineering degree and uh, and became the first uh, black female engineer in NASA. So tremendous honor uh, for Miss Jackson and her family. Uh, and I, I think that's fantastic. We we need more great stories like that. More great stories. Yep. 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 Naming the building after her. That's absolutely. The, that's the, awesome. Yeah. The entire headquarters building. So. That says a lot um, about the, you know, she was a trailblazer. 
Um, and that that movie, Hidden Figures, I mean, it's that's an awesome movie. And again, it's one of those stories that until I saw the movie, I had never heard of these these ladies, man, that were doing all these calculations at NASA, computer work, whatnot. Uh, is one of those stories that was was hit from us. We, right. we never knew about it. I'd never heard about it in school. Right. And right. so right. here are these ladies who are doing trailblazing work in the space program, and we never heard about them. Um, so um, honor, tremendous honor for uh, for this to happen. And so uh, that's the the big story we, we want to lead with uh, this week. So any yeah. any reflections on your part? Yeah, I think it's a great honor. You know, there aren't very many buildings in the nation's capital that's that's named after women. Uh, yes. The only one that I can think of right off the top of my head is the Perkins Building, uh, named after Frances Perkins, the first ever female um, uh, Secretary of the Labor, okay. uh, first yeah. ever first ever cabinet female cabinet member back in the 30s. FDR uh, was responsible for nominating her for that position. Right, and right. so um, now uh, we've got uh, a black female um, math- mathematician and aerospace engineer that a building is going to be named after. Yeah. And, you know, and, and a side note to this, yes. you know, we're talking about this being in Washington, D.C. Well, this past week, they also in D.C. are trying to get D.C. statehood. Yes, yes. You know, and so for many, many years, they've been trying to get D.C. statehood. And I think, I mean, this is kind of going off our our subject here just a little bit. But I think it's important that we mention that uh, D.C. is uh, and should be granted statehood. Yes. You know, because the the stupid stuff that went on with um, um, the attorney general ordering in – uh, National Guard and and the, uh, and, and the military was out of uh, D.C.'s control. Yep. Because normally um, uh, someone would have to ask the state governor in order for that to happen. And since D.C. and the people of D.C. don't have the right to vote for you know their leaders per se, other than the local level, then uh, it's Probably, if it hasn't already, it's probably going to pass the House of Representatives. But of course, when it gets to the Senate, our boy Moscow Mitch <laughs> and the other um, Dixie Republicans, I should say, uh, they're going to um, probably say no. You know, and uh, there was some stupid senator. I think his name was Tom Cotton. Yep. That that came up and said that, well, we can't have D.C. statehood because look who's running it. I mean, you can't say dog whistle. You just got to say that's plain racist. Right. 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 You you got a black woman running it. You got black people running it. How is that going to act as statehood? Right. A a black governor in in that state. So, you know, all the government buildings would still be part of D.C., and then all the surrounding areas out there uh, would be um, part of the state. You yeah. know, over 700,000 people that live in the district. And so, yeah, that's that was a side note. 
Yeah, no, good, good, good sidebar um, because uh, you know it, it's long overdue, man. This this issue has come up before about making DC the fifty first state, and uh, it's long overdue. And I before we came on the air, it it did pass the house. It has passed in the house, and so we know what's going to happen. As you said, we know what's going to happen when it gets to the to the Senate. Uh, you know, nothing's going to happen because our dear friend uh, Yertle is going to. Uh, not take any action on it. And uh, like you said, some things aren't even a dog whistle, man. They, they just ought to call it what it is. We don't want to pursue this because a black person would be in charge. Just call it for what it is, man. All this subtlety and, and covert language and whatnot. We know who you are. Yeah. You know, show show your character. Say what yeah. you truly want to say, you know. And so um, another sidebar to this. We were talking last week, uh, and and the, the what was at stake in D.C. too was um, now that D.C. and you mentioned, um, you know, yeah, D.C. used to be called the Chocolate City. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. It's getting it's getting a little diluted now. And I watched a special last week, and I mentioned this as we were going off the air last week. There was a special called um, oh, what was the name of it? The Beat. The beat stops here, I think it was, or the beat starts here, something to that effect. And it was about go-go scene in D.C. And go-go is the official music of D.C. Yep. But with gentrification yep. moving into a lot of neighborhoods in D.C., there's this one gentleman, he owns a T-Mobile a store there. And he has been playing go-go music outside his store for quite a while. It's It's a part of the neighborhood. And people have grown to appreciate it. Well, the gentrifiers that have moved into the neighborhood, they filed a complaint that they wanted this noise shut down, <laughs> you know, and all hell broke loose. People were protesting white, black who had been, you know, knew what this guy and what his store and what that music meant to the D.C. culture. And they basically, you know, shut these people down. It's like, you know, you're not going to come up into this neighborhood and tell us, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know nothing about this neighborhood or nothing. You don't disrespect Go-Go. Right. You don't disrespect Go-Go. And, uh, <laughs> and that's literally what's happened. But if you get a chance to check that special out, man, it gets deep. It gives you the entire history of the Go-Go scene in D.C., they cover Chuck Brown, rare, um, uh, what is rare, it? Rare, rare essence. essence. Yep. They covered the the junkyard band, the backyard yep. band, EU. I mean, a lot of great go go bands, man. And so it was awesome. What but was the name of it again? It's called the Beat Starts Here. I think the Beat, beat starts, starts Here. Okay, okay. And it was on, um, it was on uh, TV One. It was on TV One. And gives you the history of the go-go movement in D.C. And so what they're doing each Wednesday night, they're going to highlight a different city and the musical influences of that city. So they just happen to start with D.C. and go-go. So, yes, we ventured a little bit off the path, but but path. But since we were talking about D.C., let's get it in, you know. And so I hope the thing passes. I hope the bill passes uh, for a D.C. statehood and long live go-go. It is, uh, it, it is a fun <laughs> form of music, man, to listen to. And uh, I, we, I, you know, back in the day, man, we grew up on Chuck Brown. You yeah. know, uh, even in Kentucky, man, we were grooving on Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers. And he is known as the godfather of go-go. So uh, it, it gave a lot of props, man, to Chuck Brown. So if you get a chance, check it out. Check it out. All right. All right. He <laughs> goes on. Yes. All right. All right. What's next we got going on here, brother? 
Well, I think we want to segue. You mentioned we wanted to backtrack a little bit. And um, as we were talking before we came on the air tonight, the coronavirus has, um, you know, flamed up again. And so it's spreading across a lot of states now uh, due to people not practicing the guidelines set forth by the CDC. And so we know uh, that those of us who are smart enough to know that uh, the hand washing, the social distancing, the mask wearing, that's what it's going to take to curb uh, the, the spread of this disease. But our leaders were in denial. And so today uh, we had a, um, a meeting. I think it was a meeting at a church or something like that. And um, the former governor of your great state, Indiana, and you, you call him Pap. <laughs> yeah. Pap uh, actually pleaded with American citizens to wear a mask. And I'm like, I heard that. I wanted to fall over laughing and man. laugh. Yeah, yeah. Because, dude, you're you're sorry. You 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 and your boss have been trying to paint this as, oh, it's gonna go away. It's not a big deal. You you didn't even want to enforce your own guidelines. And so here you are today at a church. Have the nerve to say, please wear a mask. I mean, it's a joke. It <laughs> is a joke. So uh, y- your reflections on it, because yeah. I could talk about this forever because the, he's sorry, man. He is sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. Two things. Uh, number one, you cannot deny the denials. Okay. Number two, it's awfully convenient to say that I'm not going to wear a mask, it's my individual rights not to wear a mask when most of the pain and suffering is taking place in New York and New Jersey and those states that are blue. Now, suddenly, and, and people told them that, you know, these Southern states, these southern governors were going to follow the lead of the current occupant at Black Ladders My Lives Matter Plaza. Thought I'd throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Not to wear a mask. Don't be afraid. Well, now COVID-19 is working its way south. Yep. And people told them in the South, don't open up too fast. Don't open up too fast. We got to get the economies going and so on. And so now states like Texas and Florida and Arkansas and North Carolina, just name all those red states mm-hmm. down there. Yep, yep. They're all starting to see these viruses tick up. And so now suddenly we're concerned. Well, Third part, Pap, punk-ass Pence, is only looking out for himself. He's never trusted the current occupant at Black Lives Matter Plaza. <laughs> He's never trusted him. He's, he didn't show his ass up when they made the stroll of shame over to St. John's Church because he knows that the current occupant is a fool. That's right. So... He suddenly had this change of heart because he sees that the current occupant 
is going to have a hard time winning this next election. So he's seeing himself as the person that can, in 2024, possibly run for the office. And he can say, well, I was behind us saving these red states. It's political. That's what he's always done. Yep. Yep. He's always done. He's always been a punk. He's always been a liar and he's always been a weasel. Yep. Okay. Yep. Here yep. here's something, and I I may have mentioned this before. In order for him to gain higher office in Indiana, did you know he dyed his hair white? No. Yeah. He dyed his hair white so that he would look more mature. <laughs> so now it's naturally right. turned white after so many years. But yeah, he t- he dyed his hair white. Wow. It's, it's, it's kind of like the people that never knew Elvis was a blonde. Right, right. You know, same <laughs> same thing. But he's such a punk that he's n- now concerned about wearing a mask. And wow. then he, he goes to this church and then they have the, I think it was the First Baptist Church. First Baptist Church, yeah. And they got a choir singing. Not no one, no yeah. one in the choir is wearing <laughs> yeah. a damn mask. Yeah, nobody with a mask on. <laughs> he I think he's the only person wearing a damn mask in the church. Right, right. What uh, a punk. It's hilarious, man. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, it, I mean, they're both. He and the current occupant, man, they are nothing but about themselves. And and the, the lady here earlier this week, the um, the journalist who was questioning him about, you know, why are you guys having these rallies in these packed arenas and churches Knowing good and well, people aren't practicing social distancing. They aren't wearing masks. Why are you guys doing that? And what is his answer? Well, you know, people are allowed to peacefully assemble and exercise their First Amendment right. I mean, what are you saying? We don't care if people die as long as they exercise their rights. You're going to be dead. Doesn't matter about your rights. You're going to be dead. And I mean, that is cowardly, man. Cowardly. That you can't even say, you know what? We were wrong. We should not have held that rally in Tulsa. We shouldn't have held that rally in um, Wisconsin at that church. We should have exercised better judgment. But neither of them can do that, man, because they're both cowards. And so um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen from the Tulsa rally. Tulsa was already spiking uh, with uh, with breakouts of COVID. And then what's going to happen from this from Wisconsin, uh, this rally they had at the church. But they're sinking, man. They're sinking. They know it. And now, yeah, like you say, he's got to play the savior and like, look what I did for you. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're you're a sellout. You're a coward, man. You're a coward. Take your ass back to wherever you came from. Don't don't send him back to Indiana. We're tired of his (laughs) ass here. We don't want him here. As a matter of fact, people don't want him. Pence must go. Signs are all over the state. Pence must go. (laughs) <laughs> can't, can't, can't be can't be like the Jackson Five. I right? can't can't go back to Indiana. Huh? No, 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 no. Can't go yeah. back to Indiana. He, he needs to buy himself a vacation home in Hawaii, some damn place. Yeah, go 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 live in one of these hot spots. That's yeah. where. <laughs> live I'll tell you where he could go. Let's send him to Reykjavik, Iceland. Yeah, yeah Reykjavik. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Reykjavik, Reykjavik, Iceland. Send him there. Uh, yeah, they're they're, well, they're man. shameless, man. They they are both just cowardly, and and looking out for number one, man. That's it. That's all they care about. If they look good, 
And people are dying, man. People are suffering because their leadership led a lot of these people, mayors, a lot of governors in these states are like, hey, let's get the economy back open, blah, blah, blah. And now people are getting sick like crazy. And it's on your watch. They can deny all they want to, but this is on your watch. Yeah, and and and, and your comrade, uh, the current occupant. So yeah, and all the all the uh, Republicans are afraid to speak out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I said this a long time ago. They could shut the current occupant up only if they had enough balls to yeah. stand up to him. Yeah, because they yeah. can't do anything. He can't do anything without them. He can't pass a law. Right. Right. You know, it's the Congress uh, yeah. that passes the law. I mean, but they're punks. They're all punks. Yeah. For for the life of me, I, I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Why these people are acting like, you know, they hear no evil. They see no evil. I don't get it. I truly don't get it as to what is what is that in your DNA that prevents you from saying, Mr. President, this is wrong. They can't they can't bring themselves to do that. But they were quick on the trigger for eight years prior to this. They were yeah. quick. They were quick. You know, they they stopped everything. And and, you know, they they had they were real vocal for eight years prior to this. And now they're mute. So, yeah, you know, the, the country is in a bad shape and it's all because of the leadership of the current occupant and his administration. And that includes Pat. And, uh, you know, call it like you see it, man. Call it like you see it there. The ship, the, the ship is sinking and they're all here pretty soon. They're all going to be trying to save themselves from, <laughs> from going down with that sinking ship. So, yeah, I was in the Coast Guard and I wouldn't go over there and save their ass. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mission of the Coast Guard is search and rescue. You right. know, always ready is our model. Semper Paratus. Yeah. Shoot. All, who? Oh, a ship full of senators? <laughs> from where? Yeah. Oh, I, I got another important call. There's more important people to save than these yeah. fools. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they haven't been about doing anything for the people. So, no. you know, why, why should anybody care about you and your livelihood? Because for the three, these past three years, you haven't shown one ounce of leadership. None. None. And you've let the current occupant get away with all kind of Crap, man. It, that, that's the bottom. You've let this guy get away with crap after crap after crap. He's just crapped all over the thing. Man. <laughs> He's shitting all over us. Yeah. And, and you guys <laughs> you have no spine to stand up and say this is wrong. So I, yeah. we, we are headed for we're headed for disaster, man. And, they're, and they're, right now it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm, man. We got COVID ravaging the country again and we've got racial tensions racial unrest and, uh, you know, economy in flux. I mean, it is the perfect storm. And so hopefully uh, come November the 4th, we may have new leadership at the helm to get the ship back on course and uh, provide some some empathy and some understanding and some knowledge uh, to, to help the country right uh, the, the dangerous path that is currently on. So, yeah, yeah. And with that, we're going to segue into another uh, election topic, and that is a senatorial primary that's taking place in our home state of Kentucky. Yeah. The voting was last Tuesday, and since they did a lot of absentee balloting, 
then there is no clear winner of who's going to take on Moscow Mish, Mitch slash Yertle the Turtle <laughs> uh, this November. So the two top candidates that are receiving most of the votes is Charles Booker and Amy McGrath. And within the last few months or few weeks, Charles Booker has had a huge surge in the election. And his name has gone from a nobody to a somebody. So between those two candidates, we'll find out who is going to uh, take on Moscow Mitch uh, in November. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Oh wow, yeah. I, it's you know, before you, you didn't hear about Booker for a while, man. You just you know heard about Amy McGrath. That right. you know, and then Booker just came out of nowhere, man. And uh, a lot of tremendous support behind him. And I think one of the things that helped his surge was, man, he was out there. He was out and about uh, around the state. And another thing that I think um, separated him from McGrath was. He was out there in the streets with the people. Yep. Protesting. He was out there in the streets with the people. And I saw, I think I saw, it was on one of the news broadcasts, uh, they asked Amy McGrath, um, you know, what do you have to say? I mean, wh- why weren't you out there uh, when the protests were going on for Breonna Taylor? Uh, why weren't you out there? And her reply was, well, you know, I have some stuff to do with my family. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You know, and then she came back after the fact. But it's like, no, nah, you, you, I'm sorry, you, you can't come back after the fact, man. You had the perfect chance uh, when you were first asked to exercise that leadership that people were looking for. But uh, Booker's been out there, man. He's been out there, and now, like you say, it's too close to call. I think the results are going to be announced uh, Tuesday. Yeah, announced I Tuesday. Mean, even with all the shenanigans and stuff that went on, you know, they're in Kentucky and most of the southern states, they uh, had voter suppression. Now, you think about in in Jefferson County on last Tuesday, they had one polling place, one polling place for over 600,000 people. And Lynn and I were watching something on TV is a live broadcast. And, you know, at 6, 6 p.m., polls are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Right. At 6 p.m., there were people at the Jefferson County Courthouse still standing in line. And those people start beating up, beating on the windows, beating on the doors. You know, wow. we're we're here to vote. We're here to vote. And they were beating and beating and beating. We're, we're not leaving until we can vote. And so after 15 minutes of them raising hell and banging on the windows and beating the doors, they open the doors up and let those people go in there to vote. So that's the other thing that we have to be concerned about is the fact that um, voter suppression is going to be real. I mean, they did that here in Indianapolis you know, in uh, 2008, when Barack Obama won the election, they had early voting all over. Yep. They had uh, polling places all over. He wins the election. He actually wins Indiana. And then the next year, they eliminated all those voting places and put people yep. to go, go to yep. one place. Yep. 
And so that's going to turn that's turning around the vote. That's what they want to do, man. Right, I think right. that's their goal is to say we're going to make it so hard for these people to vote in a primary that they're going to get pissed off in November on November 3rd and if there's a line they're just going to walk away and go away and not vote. Yeah. Because the people that's going to vote against the current occupant are going that are going to be the ones that's going to walk away. Right, right. And you have to you have to ask, man, as 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 educated, you know, black men in this country and a lot of other educated people in this country who look at what is going on in Jefferson County. I was like, what? One polling place? I was appalled, man. One polling place. So you have to ask these people who are behind this. What are you so afraid of? Why are you afraid of allowing people to exercise their constitutional right? Citizens of this country, you—I mean, you're—you're you're the one who put these rules in place. Yeah, that a citizen of this country is allowed certain rights. One of those is to vote for the candidate of your choice in elections in this country. That's democracy. That's part of democracy. And so you've got people who are systematically, and you can—they they can lie if they want to. We see it. We see, and now you've got the current occupant laying the groundwork because he's saying, well, mail-in balloting is going to be fraudulent and all this other bullshit. He's laying the groundwork, and a lot of people who can't you know, discern A from B believe that crap. Yeah. And, and, and now the machine is going. And it's, it's a shame, man, that we supposedly, the greatest country on the planet, we want to deny people their constitutional rights by preventing them and making it so difficult for them to exercise that right to vote for the candidate of their choice. I don't know why they're so afraid. I truly yeah. don't. To make things worse, Wayne, hell, they got a Democratic governor. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't I don't understand why he doesn't take charge. He can't really yeah. take charge of it. But the secretary of state should be able to he should be on the secretary of state's ass to say that's make, right. Let's make these changes. Let's make this more open for people yeah. as opposed to yeah. restricting people. Yeah. And and I would be curious to know, you had one polling place in Jefferson County. I would like to know, how many polling places did you have in Fayette County? How many polling places did you have in some of those counties up in eastern Kentucky? How many polling places were open up there? You know, you have to look at that because you are you are trying to prevent people from coming out to vote. In those areas, in Jefferson County, we, we're from Kentucky. We know who who makes up a lot a lot of the population of Jefferson County. And Lexington. And, and Lexington. You know, Fayette, a lot, large part of Fayette, too, um, you know, in, in certain pockets of Fayette County. But it's like, what are you afraid of? Why don't you want people to vote? You know? And to me, that's the that's the fraudulent part of it. It's not that people are going to mail in their ballots. Vote. The fraudulent aspect of this whole thing is you're systematically trying to stop people from voting. And and you and you people question you about it and you're like, well, we're not doing anything underhanded. But yet you're polling, <laughs> you're you're shutting down early voting in a lot of places, you're getting rid of polling places and whatnot. It's like, please, do you you must think we fell off the turnip truck yesterday or something. <laughs> yeah, and going going back to our original uh, topic, you know, Booker versus McGrath is going to be the the uh, results coming out. And the yep. one thing to me, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on the air, you know, Charles Booker is a black man. Amy McGrath is a white woman. 
And the one thing that scares me, if Booker wins the uh, primary, I don't want this to happen. I think either one of them will be fine. But the one thing that would give Moscow Mitch an advantage is racism. Yeah. And that's the fact that Booker is a black man and there will be a lot of people, I feel, this is my personal opinion, a lot of people that's going to vote against him because he's black. And for Amy McGrath, since she's more moderate or a little bit conservative, she would get more of those people that would vote against Booker to vote for her because she's white. Yep, yep. And I don't know about Booker's military affiliation. I know Amy McGrath is a veteran. Right. Uh, Marine Corps fighter pilot. Right. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you, man. I, I, I know the people in probably Jefferson County, you know, the you know the, the black population of Jefferson County, they're going to vote for Booker. The black population of Fayette County, they're going to vote for Booker. Uh, black folks probably in Hardin County, our hometown, those black, they're probably going to vote for Booker. But that leaves a lot of, you know, 120 counties in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. You know, that leaves a lot of folks who say, I ain't voting for this. I ain't, no, I ain't voting for this black man. Mm-hmm. We're going to ride with Mitch. You know, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's unfortunate, man, because just looking at his record and what he's done to get back in this race and make it so uh, close as it is. I mean, he put in the work, man, he the, put in the work. The other thing that will uh, be a negative for him is that he's been endorsed by AOC yep. and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. So right there is enough to say, hey, this guy, we can't vote for him because they're going to go turn green. Everything's going to turn green and all that kind of crap that they, that, that uh, propaganda that they put out there. So Whoever, whoever wins the uh, primary, whenever they announce that, uh, Mitch is not going to have such an easy time as he has in the past. And I hope that whoever it is, uh, the people will rally behind them and people from outside uh, will rally behind them and get Mitch's ass out of there. Yep, yep. It's time for a change, man. It's time yep. for a change. It's time, to, time for him to go. Yeah, it's time for him to go, man. He, he he's holding up, you know, you know, legislation that's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what are you I mean, really, what are you doing other than posing opposition? You know, yeah. that's it. You're posing opposition. You have nothing else to do but pose opposition. Yeah. And so uh, if, if Booker doesn't win, you know, he ran a courageous race. Uh, and then I think if Amy McGrath is the winner, I think people need to get behind her, man. If they truly want to see change, not just in the state of Kentucky, but, you know, so whoever's representing that's, you know, our state, you know, our home state, but about change in the government period, man, because a lot of these guys, they, it's time for them to go, man. Yeah. I it's mean, it's time for them to go. The, if, if the Democrats, if the Democrats take over the Senate, which is going to be tough to do. You know, it's the rules of the organization that has the Senate in particular has got all the power. Yeah. So if if they make a rule that says that, okay, on Supreme Court justices, let's go back to uh, Merrick Garland. He was nominated by President Obama. And if they change the Senate rules to say that 
within 45 days of a person's nomination, they get a hearing in the Senate by the judicial branch, then that's going to how that's how it's going to be. You can't hold somebody's uh, nomination for a year and a half simply because you're going to wait until the next election. Right. And that's what Mitch McConnell has the power to do. Right. Okay. So you need to change those rules and make it more fair. Right. Yeah. You get 45 days before they have a hearing. You get another 45 days to to go over everything. And within uh, three months or six months, that person needs to be seated in the uh, Supreme Court. Right. Right. You know, but Mitch McConnell's got that power. How many bills is sitting on his desk simply because he doesn't want he doesn't want it to be voted upon because it's going to make the Republicans look bad because the Democrats are pushing forward issues that's good for everybody. Right. Right. He's he's got to go. Right. Nope. Long overdue, man. Long overdue. So we'll be awaiting those results on Tuesday and, uh, you know, to the winner. Um, you know, everybody in Kentucky, get behind whoever wins, man. If you truly want change, then it's time to get rid of Moscow Mitch or a.k.a. Yertle the Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sidebar. I have a sidebar. Since we're talking about you know cartoon characters, Yertle the Turtle. Who does Bill Barr look like to you? <laughs> <laughs> Deputy Dog. I, I I I told Cynthia, my wife, I said, he looks like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> yeah, he could be Fred Flintstone. He looks too. like Fred Flintstone, man. <laughs> Only Fred didn't wear glasses, but he looks like Fred Flintstone. You know? But all, all these guys, man, they're There's rotten. another one that has to go. Yeah, they're rotten to the core, man. Rotten to the core. And it's time. That's, you know, my man said, current occupant, he was going to drain the swamp. Man, the swamp is full of gators and all kind of foul crap, man. So, yeah, we need to drain it. We need to drain it. So hopefully come November the 4th, uh, we'll we'll have a new cleaning crew in town to clean up all this mess. <laughs> and uh, January the 20, 21st, wherever it is, my man can move, pull the moving, moving truck up, up to 1600, <laughs> pack his crap up, and get, get him out of Dodge. There you go. Yep. Get him out of town. So, absolutely. Yeah, so he, he may he may say, "Well, I ain't going." Well, you know, this election you know, is fraud. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and, I'd and say he, Secret yeah. Service kick his ass out. Yeah, he's laying the groundwork now. You know, with this fraud crap. But uh, I think Biden in a in a in a newscast a few weeks ago said somebody asked him that question: What if he refuses to leave? And Biden said, oh, no worry. I'll have the military escort his behind out. <laughs> <laughs> Under, with tear gas his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear, out, clear it out. You know, <laughs> hey, there's a new sheriff in town. His name is Reggie Hammond. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new sheriff in town. My name is Reggie Hammond. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, fun, fun. So. Kentucky, we await the results on Tuesday. So Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So um, our last topic for the evening as uh, Black Music Month winds down. You know, I wonder how many people know that June is really Black Music Month. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, we got Black History Month in February. We got what? We got 29 days this year. Yeah. 
And so June is 30 days. So we got one extra day. But for as long as I remember, man, back in the days of Jet and probably before that, June was always Black Music Month. It was yep. it was highlighted, Black Music Month. And so uh, we wanted to do something fun tonight uh, to end the show tonight. And uh, we want to talk about some of the most memorable live music performances uh, that that uh, we have attended, uh, you know, and and talk about those and what was memorable about memorable about them. So I'll I'll start it out with you, my friend. What what are what are some live music events you've been to that uh, you'd like to remember or talk about? You know, Wayne, I was never really into a lot of live music, going to concerts oh. and stuff like that. Wow. I've gone to a few, but never yeah. a lot of live. I can count probably on one hand how many live concerts that I've been to. Wow. It just wasn't one of those things I was, you know, really interested in. But I went to a few. Yeah. I think uh, the first concert that uh, that made an impression on me was going to see Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> okay. And, you know, with those guys, you had a guy in a diaper, you know, the, the <laughs> Funkadelic was just jamming, you know, the yeah. music was, the music was completely jamming. You had a lot of wild stuff going on stage, but, it, and of course, 90% of the people there was either, uh, smoking dope, or they were inhaling dope, including <laughs> including me, because I never smoked anything. But you're in there, and you you know right. you're inhaling this shit anyway. Right. right. You know, so Parliament Funkadelic. You know, when um, George Clinton came out of a spaceship, you know, he ended up coming out of a cape and a diaper, and oh man, it was just it was just wild. Wow. There is no telling what you're gonna see on stage with Parliament Funkadelic. I mean, they would have kids on stage. Yeah, yeah. They, they would have, you know, wise sugar mamas, all these people on stage, and just having a, a, a blowout party. Half the time they were drunk, you know, half the time they were smoking on stage and all that stuff. So that was probably the, the most awkward performance I went to. Uh, one of the best two best performances I went to live. Uh, one was here in Indianapolis. I went to see David Sanborn and Al Jarreau. Oh, wow. In, here in India. Man, that was a fantastic, fantastic concert. We were right up front, you know, and David Sanborn was just, man, he was he was hitting hitting all of his major, yeah, yeah. major tunes and so on, and Al Jarreau was, hey, he's Al Jarreau. Yep. Okay, just a fan, fantastic uh, concert. You know, it went on wow. for probably two and a half, three hours. Wow. You know, and it was just right downtown Indianapolis uh, at the sports center there, and it was it was it was damn good. The other, um, actually, Lynn and I were in Chicago for a national education uh, uh, seminar. It was a convention. And we went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire in Chicago. Whoa, man. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire in yeah. Chicago playing the same venue, and they, they played together. Wow. And that was, that was a fantastic, fantastic show. 
Wow. I mean, Chicago I played all the Chicago <laughs> played all their best tunes. Earth, Wind, Fire played all their best tunes, and they were inter intermingled with on the stage at the same time. Wow. So with Earth, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire at that time, this was uh, two thousand, probably two thousand or two thousand four. Okay. And Earth, Wind, and Fire didn't have its horn section with them, so Chicago they just their uh, songs. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep, so a, man, it was yeah. it was a good two and a half hour show, man. That was just wow. it was it was the bomb diggity. Wow. Yeah, this bomb was, diggity. This was uh, this was before Maurice White had passed, I assume. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. He wasn't he wasn't playing with Earth, Wind, and Fire either at that time. Okay. Yeah, so you know they had other folks to fill in for his his spot, yeah, his singing yeah. role, and so on. Wow! But the last the last uh, live concert, you know, Tom Joyner Morning Show used to do Sky Shows, right? Yep. And he did probably three here in Indianapolis, and um, one of those times, six a.m. in the morning, Lynn and I went up, got up early, and went down to the convention center to hear Lakeside. Whoa, man, let me tell you, <laughs> Lakeside just blew it, man. They just blew it. They was they was on it, man. It, it's amazing. These bands from the 70s yep. sounded exactly like the records. <laughs> yep. There was no bleed over or there was no missed notes. It sounded exactly like the songs that we listened to. Yeah. There was no change in in any of their. I mean, they changed up the the guitar solos. Earth, Wind, and Fire's right, right. Uh, guy changed up the guitar solo a little bit, but it's basically the same format. But it was just they were just man, it was just awesome, wow. awesome, and a lot wow. of crowd. Lakeside had a lot of crowd participation. You know, Tom Joyner and Jay and Sybil, right. Myra Jay, they were all out doing things. And you know, Tom Joyner always wanted to be in a band, yep. so he would he'd get his ass up there and he'd pretend to play, you know, and so on. It was <laughs> the Sky Shows were just man, they were just great. Wow. How, how about you, man? Oh man! Uh, wow, those those are some good ones, man. Those are some good ones. Um, so I the the first one is if you ever get an opportunity, man, to go to this guy's live show, you will be blown away. And that's Charlie Wilson. Oh yeah, I saw Charlie Wilson twice, and um, I we'd been talking, man. At some point, um, you guys hopefully are going to come out. And we're going to do the Winter Park Jazz Festival out here. It's held uh, in July. It's canceled this year because of COVID. But it's usually the third weekend in July uh, on the other side of Denver, one of the ski resorts, uh, Winter Park Ski Resort. But Charlie Wilson played there, oh gosh, probably about maybe three, three, four years ago. And um, he puts on a hell of a live show, man. And the thing about Charlie Wilson is not only does he do his stuff, he does all the Gap Band stuff because he wrote a lot of those songs. Right. And like you say, man, it sounds just like the record. <laughs> you know, it sounds just like the record. And so we saw him there. And then probably about two or three weeks later, uh, one of my wife's girlfriend at the time was living down in Phoenix, suburb of Phoenix. And she said, hey, you guys come on down. We're having a jazz festival in October. Come on down. Uh, and it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday type thing. And who closes on Sunday? Charlie Wilson. <laughs> you know, so we saw him twice in a matter of a couple of months. 
And man, his show, his live show is incredible. So that that's a that's one I, I like. Man, I was blown away. The other one was I saw the Godfather of Soul. Right before he passed, he performed here at the U.S. Air Force Academy here in Colorado. Really? Springs. No shit. He, yeah, James Brown himself performed at the Air Force Academy. And I was sitting like right down front, man, right down front. So he had him, the JBs, he had Fred, he had Maceo. Wow. I mean, he, yeah, and he was like 70 something then. It was, it was maybe a few months before he passed. And man, he put on a two-hour show, and I, the man didn't take a break. He did not take a break, and he played all. I mean, he played man. The majority of stuff out of his catalog was just. I mean, he. It was amazing. He's dancing. He's doing the splits. I mean, he's, he is truly. <laughs> I mean, he had that the hardest working man in show. That man yes. worked hard. He worked yep. hard. He worked hard. Um. Another one that comes to mind, I one of the first concerts I went to uh, as a kid, you know, there in E-Town, I went to see Prince and Rick James at the Louisville Gardens. Wow. And this was when Prince had just come out. Prince was like 18 years old or something like that. His first album had come out. And Prince actually showed Rick James up. I mean, and I mean, he was you could tell this kid was so talented, man. And he put on a hell of a show. And he was on tour with Rick James. And at some point during that tour, Rick James uh, <laughs> kicked him off the tour because he was showing Rick showing James. Showing him up. <laughs> he was showing him up. But, man, ultimate performer, man. Ultimate. At the time, he had his um, – he just had him, Wendy, Lisa, and my man that wore the doctor mask. I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was his band. That, that was, was his it. band. Wow. And, uh, he, man, he put on a hell of a show. The Revolution. Yeah, the revolution. That's who it was. Yeah, and put on a hell of a show. And at the Louisville Gardens, man, <laughs> the Louisville Gardens. And then the last one that that uh, really impressed me, man. My wife and I saw Ramsey Lewis uh, in Seattle when we were living in Seattle. We saw Ramsey Lewis at this small jazz club down in Seattle, and just so happened the night we saw him was his birthday, huh. and he had turned uh, eighty. I think he had just turned eighty or something like that. And he's performing, man. He's doing all his stuff. And then he says, hey, uh, he stood up. We're right. I mean, we were literally I could reach out and touch him when he's on his piano. We were that close. Hmm. But man, he, master musician. And so he played. He did his first couple of couple of tracks. And he said, hey, I, I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. I've got a special guest with me and I want to bring him out now. So everybody's like, who is it? Right. It's Philip Bailey. Really? Yes, Philip Bailey. So wow. Philip Bailey comes out, and they break in the Sun Goddess. Huh. No <laughs> they shit. break in the Sun Goddess, and man, <laughs> I mean, it was man, it was amazing. It was amazing. So wow, those are some of the ones that just like you know acts, and I'm like, man, these were great. And I hopefully at some point you and and Lynn will get the chance to come out here to Winter Park uh, and see some of the acts that these guys bring in. Man, you, I, I am amazed. That the the type of acts that they bring to this venue, when you think like hell on the other side of Denver and Denver, yeah, major major acts. Yeah, we were coming uh, out there this year, but COVID nineteen yeah, got a hold of it. Yeah, COVID shut it down. Matter of fact, it was it was going to be July the seventeenth, eighteenth this year, I think it was. And um, you know, I want to mention one more before we go off the air. Um, I think it was this year. This year would have been like the thirty. Oh, 38th year of the festival. 
And so I think we were at year 30, it was either 34 or 35. And the Saturday show, it normally kicks off on a Friday night, a lot of parties around, around town and not. The concerts are Saturday, Sunday. On the Saturday this year, I think it was year 35, well, the closing act for this particular year we went was the Average White Band. Okay. And man, they put on a hell of a show, man. They had people rocking, man, rocking. It was the it was all the original original band, mm-hmm. and um, and um, I forgot my man. Uh, I forget his name. He passed here like last year. Uh, Ron Turpentine. No. Um, oh, oh, what was his name? Uh, he was. Uh, gosh, we talked about it a little we bit. We did talk about it. Uh, but there was at that time all the all the original band. Man, they were tight. They were tight, man, and they did all the cuts, man. Cut the cake. They did uh, Stormy, uh, mm-hmm. Person mm-hmm. to Person, Schoolboy Crush, and when when they broke in to pick up the pieces, man, <laughs> the crowd went wild, you know. But they they put on a great show, great show. So, you know, lot lot of great music out there, man. And um, you know, I, I'm a music head, you know that. So yeah, anytime too. I get a chance to see a live live show, I, I man, I've seen so many here in the last uh, last several years. Just living out here, I, I would have never believed the number of of major talent that comes through here. I wouldn't believe, would not believe. It. So all yes, right. sir. All right, all right. So I'll let you any closing comments, shots for. Uh, for <laughs> I got a shot, but I'm getting trouble with the Secret Service. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to say nothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, you don't want to have the Secret Service man showing up at our tables like. <laughs> so, uh, well, we're gonna put you under the tracks. <laughs> that's right. Put you under the tracks. Uh, no, yeah. I would just say. Uh, yeah, this was an interesting little um, show we had tonight, you know, I think uh, going back and talking about, you know, the uh, Mary Jackson and uh, talking about what's going on in, in D.C., D.C. statehood, you know, the, um, the uh, primary in Kentucky. And um, it's, it's been good. And, and Black Music Month, you know, next week when we come back or the following week, whenever we have our next uh uh, podcast, you know, Black Music Month will month will be over, and so with with that, you know, we'll have to delay until uh, possibly next year, or unless something comes up that we have to uh, that we'll yeah. go into later. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as all the acts that you mentioned, of all those people that I would have loved to see live, would have been Prince. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I got I got a hold of Prince a little bit late, probably <laughs> after. After Purple Rain came out is when I became a Prince head. And then uh, I went back and got all of his previous music, and I got all of his music since then. So, uh, yeah, I would have wished I could have seen Prince uh, live and in concert. But I I visited his place up in Minneapolis. uh, Oh, wow. Paisley Park? uh, Actually, yes. Oh, wow. And he's, he's sitting there. (laughs) <laughs> you can't wow. touch anything, but he's 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 there visiting visiting uh, with you. Yeah. But the um, the Fifth Avenue Club, yeah. I think it's yeah. Fifth Avenue Club. Seventh uh, Seventh, Seventh Avenue. Seventh Avenue, Fifth yeah. Avenue. I went by there. It was closed at the time. It's pretty neat. They got all the stars on the outside, and they got their names up there and so on. So that's pretty neat going to oh. uh, Minneapolis. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. My wife saw Prince um, uh, later when he, you know, now he's huge. I mean, he, you know, Prince was always huge. I mean, you yeah. know, as, as he progressed in his career, he just I mean, he just kept putting out great music. But she saw him uh, when musicology came out. She, yeah. she did the musicology tour, came to Denver mm-hmm. and she went and she she loves Prince. Matter of fact, their birthdays are on the same day, as a All matter right. of fact. All right. And so she, she loves Prince. And so she went to the musicology tour that came through Denver. And she said, man, he put on uh, one hell of a show, two hours straight, no costume changes, no nothing, just flat out jamming for two hours, man. Yeah. And uh, she said, it, I mean, he had people on their feet for the entire two hours. Mm. And um, he's, he, I mean, I I don't think there's ever going to be another musician like him. I, I don't, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And, you know, the, the way he composed music, played pretty much every damn instrument on everything he put out. Right. And just his, the way he approached songwriting and showmanship um, they, I don't, I don't see another one out there, man. If, yeah. if I'm wrong, I mean, but I'm not seeing it. And you um, can, and you can also see the transition. His last few albums was more religious than it was yeah. anything else. Yep, yep. I mean, they were, you know, it's it's sort of like when the Staple Singers came out with the religious song that everybody danced to. Yep. You know, I'll take you there. Yep. You know, it, you know, it was a religious song. You weren't supposed <laughs> yep. to dance to it. <laughs> yep. Prince was the same way, you know, you're not supposed to bob your head. This is a religious song, but the way he produced his music, you couldn't help but think, damn, this is a religious song, but I'm still, I can still dance to it. Right. And which, you know, which is fine. You know, you know, uh, Jesus played music for everybody. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the way things are, man. Yeah. No, master, master, man. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't see nobody on the horizon like him uh, that uh, that that, uh, you know, his catalog is, man, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's impressive. Yeah. And I I think I probably got about maybe 60 songs on my iPod, just a Prince playlist, probably about 60 songs. And I, I could probably have more. But, you know, like you say, man, his his taste changed and you can see the change. Uh, with each album he put out, you could see the change that he was, you know, he's he's seeking a higher level of consciousness in his music, and that it was reflected in that. So, yep, yep. All right, brother. All righty, sir. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. And uh, always good to chat, talk about things of the day, express our opinion. Always welcome uh, your input if you check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other platform that you get your podcast from. Check us out. Drop us a line on our Facebook page. We love to hear from you. And if you're interested in being a guest, drop us a line. We'd like to bring you on, hear your thoughts about uh, whatever you'd like to talk about. Sure would. So uh, we're open. We're, we're an equal opportunity podcast. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we welcome. So uh, check us out. Please do so. With that, We're going to wrap this up. So I'm Steve. And I'm Wayne. Chileama Dopo. Vaya con Dios. (laughs) (laughs) Later. Later. Later.